Hello and welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Brown, and thank you so much for joining me as we continue to explore the fields of sound healing, sound therapy, and generally the use of sound for health and wellness. Today, our guest is Ross Barabel, an acoustic sculptor. He makes instruments primarily out of titanium, instruments such as harmony wind harps, gongs, and other sound sculptures. Initially, he was inspired by uh, playing the folk harp and hearing the sound of the harp in the wind. And so he explored instrument making with the, the folk harp initially, and then um, started making sound sculptures out of metal, which he's been doing for over 40 years now. And so we have really an amazing uh, an inspirational conversation about his journey through sound, the reason he picked titanium, and I think his philosophy about gong playing, and also his descriptions of gong making are just really beautifully said and expressed. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast with Ross Barable. This episode is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. The Ohm Shop is located in Sarasota, Florida, and you can visit them in person to see their amazing showroom, uh, crystal vibrational tools, sound healing instruments, as well as their luxury spa. You can also visit them online at theomshop.com. The Ohm Shop really can help you and advise you if you're looking for something in particular, if you're hoping to kind of up your uh, sound healing practice, that they just really are excellent with advice and uh, the learning process as well. So thank you so much to the Ohm Shop and Spa for their support and sponsorship of this podcast. Please enjoy this episode with Ross Barrow. All right. Great. Well, thank you, Ross, for joining me. And I, I really love starting with some backstory uh, before we get to everything that's developed into what you're doing now. So let's go back and maybe um, kind of ponder what was so influential for you early on in life. Maybe it's musical experiences, artistic, or even spiritual uh, things that were influential uh, that probably drew you into what you're doing now. Okay. Um, you know, that's a good question. And, and I've thought about this um, over the years. Um, why, what, what inspired me to, to get into music? And I, I, I realized my first experience of really, um, my first awareness of the power of sound was when I was a, a young teenager. I grew up in Southern Ontario in Canada. We, all, we lived in the country, it was always lived rurally, and we lived beside this railroad track. And on both sides of the, of the railroad tracks were, it was, railroad track was up on a berm, on both sides of the railroad tracks were these huge frog ponds. And I can remember as a teenager, uh, you know, I was, I, was, uh, I was a loner. I was totally, uh, you know, I didn't fit in. <laughs> you know, I was trying to find out who I was, like all teenagers are. And I can remember going out on a Friday night and and by myself and down to the roller skating rink or whatever, and can and, and looking to connect with someone, not not being able to do that. Coming home and walking home, 
and it was just dusk. And then I, I, I walked out, I got home, and but I said, I'm not going, I'm not going in the house. I'm going to walk out these railroad tracks. And it, it's, it was like um, late summer, August, you know, and you can hear crickets. And, and so I'm walking out these railroad tracks and I'm hearing all these frogs chanting back and forth across the, tra across the tracks and just standing there and listening to this incredible uh, harmonic symphony of these frogs chanting together in perfect unison and different cadences and just standing there and just dropping into this, you know, into the, you know, into that uh, sound pool of harmonics and feeling totally connected, totally whole, totally, the longing to connect, that emotional longing to connect was outcreated by the sound of these frogs, by that harmonic content. And I didn't realize it at the time, you know, and I certainly couldn't articulate what was going on, but looking back, that, that was my first experience of the power of harmonic sound. And I just, I grew up, on a, you know, we took piano lessons as kids, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't you know, really have an overwhelming desire uh, to pursue music, but I, but I had that basics, that basic, and then I, and then I discovered the flute, and then I, you know, I never, I, I took private flute lessons, and and um, moving on into my twenties, <laughs> was, you know, it was back in the eighties, and and uh, and we were, um, I was participating in this group that uh, meditated or got together and chanted on Wednesday nights. And one, one day, this gal showed up with a folk harp and sat down and started playing the folk harp. And I blew my mind. I just went, what is this? I have got to have a harp. And I was always handy. You know, my father always had a shop. He always built stuff. So I said, man, I'm going to... And I looked inside the harp. And when people would build instruments, often sign them, you know, down they, they sign them and they sign them on the inside of the soundboard. So I looked inside this harp and lo and behold, this guy's name is in there with a phone number. I call him up and he lives in, in um, uh, California. Two weeks later, I was on a plane. I went out and visited him. And um, uh, he turned me on to a harp, built, a harp maker out there, Robinson's Harp Shop. And I spent, I spent uh, a month out there learning how to play the, learning how to make folk harps. This was uh, 1970s, late 70s. So that just, I was besmitten by the harp. And I spent 20 years building hundreds and hundreds of these, of these folk harps. And that's, that, it, it just it just stole my heart and um so playing the harp string you know building these harps stringing them tuning them stringing tuning listening tuning that was my education in understanding and listening to sound and listening to harmonics listening to what what intervals really moved me 
you know, it allowed me to have, you know, certain different feelings. And, and that's how I, that's how I developed my intuitive understanding how to create sound boxes and, and resonant objects was from building harps. And the ultimate wind harp is a folk harp in the wind, standing outside in the wind. And when you're playing, when you're out, you know, when you play the harp, you, you eventually you're going to play in an outdoor venue and the wind will come up and blow through the strings. And the first time I heard that, I went, oh my God, this, I've never heard anything like this, but it's strangely familiar, you know? And uh, it just, to me, it sounded like a choir of angels. And I was just, I said, man, this is gorgeous. Uh, all these harmonics, especially when you tune the harp to the pentatonic scale, you know, um, and on the harp, it's really easy to just sharpen E's and B's, um, and you get this beautiful thing here, right? Can't hit a wrong note. <laughs> so yeah, tune the harp and that, put it in the wind, it's like, oh my God. Um, so that that was my experience of of the of the first wind harp, it was a, a folk harp in the wind, and then and then uh, I said, man, I want to build. I'm going to take that concept and build, you know, wind harps, um, structurally, you know, that, that uh, out of metal that wouldn't decompose in time. That would you'd be able to, to weather being outdoors, and so that's. Um, I first started off with you know bronze and 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 metals that were available that I could find stainless steels and stuff like that, and then I got in the car wreck and it was my it was my wake up call in my forties I was I was I guess I was thirty eight and I, uh, hit a hit a pickup truck that had two by sixes sticking in the in the vehicle came through the windshield knocked a hole in my sinus bone amazing I survived but the surgeon put in a piece of titanium to fill the hole. Um, and that's what introduced me to titanium. <laughs> and um, so I started looking at that. I was already building wind harps at the time. And I started researching titanium and found out some really, really interesting things about this amazing metal. It's half the weight of steel, twice the strength and super resonant. Most most metallurgical engineers don't have a clue about the resonance of titanium. They're all interested in the structural component. So I've had to really discover um, what that was all about. But anyway, I'm probably going a little bit further than you want to hear right now. I'm, so. I'm actually curious now that you mentioned that. Well, yeah, maybe let's talk about the design of your initial wind harps, obviously for, for outdoors. Um, maybe some of, of the initial experiments with that. Uh, as far as what they looked like, how big were they? What you know, what kind of business were you getting through that? And then let's get into titanium. Okay. Yeah. So the yeah, so the wind harps. Um, I was always really fascinated with sacred geometry. And I, when I was uh, after my first year of college, I took a year off and traveled to uh, hitchhiked around Europe and found myself one day sitting in, in Cairo, and I, I took a tour of the Great Pyramids, went in the King's Chamber, and then five of us that were hanging out, traveling together, we met each other, you know, in, in, uh, at, the, at the youth hostel in Cairo. We ran around the back corner of the, of the Great Pyramid of Giza and climbed up the, up the, the corner of it. We climbed up the corner because going up the face is pretty dangerous. 
And at that time you could do that. And of course they were screaming at us to come down, but we just ignored them and climbed up to the top of the Great Pyramid, sat on top of that thing for three hours. And it felt like three minutes. We experienced a total, it was, a, it was a, like a time warp. And because of the geometry and the shape of that pyramid, it creates a vortex at the top of it, which, which tweaks your perception of time. And after that experience, after coming back to Canada, I went, I started looking into the pyramids and realized, you know, this is, this is, this is the epitome of sacred, of sacred geometrical structure. And I, I started studying sacred geometry and that has been a core design, fundamental design theme of everything that I do sculpturally. And so uh, I started, I studied the, you know, I got into Pythagoras and the Platonic solids. So a lot of, the, all, all of, all of my wind harps are designed using the, the, uh, the principles of sacred geometry, specifically the phi ratio harmonic, which is the gold mean ratio. So the proportions in all the wind harps are, I'm using those ratios and of course, the human, we're, we are, you know, our biology is all sacred geometry. Um, and the Fibonacci sequence is, is embedded in the, in, the, in the distance of our, you know, the, where our knuckles are on our hand and our joints and, and the, the, the proportions of our nose relative to, you know, from here to here and the belly, the whole thing. We're all sacred geometry. So it made sense to me to build sound sculptures that were in resonance with these proportions because if they if they were resonating with these with these with these harmonics and they were vibrating at harmonics that were in in harmony with nature us humans being being designed with sacred geometrical principles, we're going to harm, we're going to resonate with these sounds because because the the, the geometry of the uh, there's going to be a sympathetic resonance between these two structures. So that just made sense to me. Plus, it looks cool. You know, <laughs> geometry to me has always been beautiful. I mean, the proportions in geometry were just. I think we're. I'm hardwired. I guess I guess everybody's hardwired to look at look at beauty from that perspective of you know harmony and balance and proportion and whatnot. And we just we just uh, um, I think that's how we're designed. So um, actually, I got I've got I'm going to take my laptop and walk outside and see if I can show you. I have three wind harps in the yard right now, and they'll just give you a snapshot. That'd be of great. Yeah. What they. Look like I just don't want to lose my signal. That's all. So I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand on the porch. So there. There's a. Can you see that harp there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's a harp. Uh, well, that that's a. I call that this. Um, um, Flower of life. The soundboard on it has 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 a. Um, yeah has a uh, sound hole cut out with a water jet that's in the shape of a, a flower of life. So that one is about nine and a half feet tall. It's got nine strings on it. It's made of, that one's actually made out of aluminum and steel. This one over here, let's see, can you see that? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. now I'm, uh, yeah, show me the picture. Okay, so I can see it. 
there, that one. Yep. So that one's made out of um, titanium and it's a double tetrahedron. It's got a sound, a sound box a resonator on it. It's a 72 degree bowl. Um, and uh, it sounds pretty good. There's no wind right now, unfortunately. So we're not going to hear it. And then this is the granddaddy over here. That one I call the Song of Aquarius. It's got, it's all titanium. It's got a stainless steel base on it. And it's got, uh, it's like 12 feet tall and um, has an amazing sound to it. So um, I'm kind of tapped out with where to go next with, with uh, wind harps. I've built hundreds of them and I'm, I'm not sure what geometry I want to build next. So yeah. <laughs> So and, I, yeah, yeah, I'll refer people to the website to listen to some of those. Uh, but you know, what would just for our people that are listening uh, back to this right now, how would you describe the experience when the wind gets going? How does that sound or feel like okay. to you? Okay, um, it's I, I, I refer to it as like full spectrum harmonics. And I, I've learned that when I tune the wind harps to really make it super simple. When I first started, I had crazy, I like had 44 strings on there. It was just too much information. And the way the wind harp works is when the wind blows um, against a string, it's, you, it, it primarily activates this first fundamental, which is, uh, which is the, uh, the, the first harmonic, which is the octave. So if it's tuned, if strings tuned to C, it'll 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 vibrate the C above, whatever that is, the, the next octave of C, and then the second harmonic is a G above that. But the most powerful one is the is the is the octave, and then the, and, and as you go higher, they get less and less loud. So you'll either hear the octave or the or the or the the fifth above that. And so I tune the harp to like simple C and G, or D and an A. It's a real easy discernible fifth that's universally recognized as harmony. Um, and that way, when the wind blows through there, you can hear the harmony instead of all these, you know, if I got too many strings in there, there's too, it creates too much information and it's hard to be able to go to, to really hear. It sounds just way too, it's too much. So, um, but it's, you know, my favorite time to listen to the harps is at night. When the wind dies down, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit less, but it's very e steady and coherent, even breeze. And I'll walk out, and usually um, it's dark out, you know, and uh, and very slight breeze. And these harps are doing this deep, low vibrato, and they're talking back and forth together, like they're having this conversation. And it's just magical. It's 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 an otherworldly sound to me and uh, I love it, you know, and other times during the day when the wind's really gusty, they won't sing at all because it's too turbulent. It, um, they work, they work, the strings work on the principle of resonance and when there's just a right, right, you know, coherent, it's like blowing a flute. When you first start playing, you can blow a lot of air and not get any sound, but when you refine your embouchure and get a real coherent, you know, uh, stream through your lips, a little bit of wind and you got beautiful music. So it's a lot of metaphors for. Yeah. Life. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Well, let's so let's you mentioned that you're not quite sure where you want to go with the, the wind harps. So let's talk about that transition where titanium came in, the experimentation with that that then led to gongs. Yes. Yeah. So so in 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 the journey of building wind harps, I, I built them out of every metal that I could get my hands on, just experimentally, you know. Um, uh, and when I moved to Santa Fe, I started getting the wind harps cast in bronze, the resonator anyway, and, and then making a whole structure. But bronze is very, it was a silicon bronze. It was very, it was very heavy, very dense, and it took a lot to get it going. Uh, kind of moved on to uh, stainless steel and aluminum because aluminum, some aluminums are, are actually quite resonant. 6061 aluminum alloy is actually very, very resonant. They make a lot of chimes, you know, um, uh, wind chimes out of those. Um, but when I discovered titanium, um, I made my first titanium wind harp in 1990. And I, when, if you, when you work with titanium, you, you, the only way to get to fabricate anything with titanium is you have to develop a relationship with the aerospace industry because they're the people that source titanium and have the, have the technology to work with it because it's very stiff, you know, but it's light. It's, very, it's half the weight of steel, twice the strength, um, but super flexible. But it's tough. It's like you bend. It's like I could take a soundboard of one of my wind harps, and I could I could literally wrap it around my knee. I could bend the thing almost 180 degrees, and it would come right back. Boom! Wouldn't kink. Wouldn't bend. Wouldn't you know? You couldn't. You couldn't. So it was. It was. Um, certain alloys are quite quite resilient that way. Um, but I said, man, let me try. Let me try and see what um, titanium would sound sound like. So I I um, had the tooling made to have a, a um, seventy two degree resonator, which was a, a like a bell um, spun out of titanium, and that was the resonator for my really early wind harps. And I went with seventy two degrees because that creates the pentagram. You know, five five times seventy two equals three hundred and sixty. So that's what we are. We're the with a with a you know the Vitruvius <clears throat> the Vitruvius man the five inside the circle he's got five points and that's that's that generates also generates the fire ratio which is the gold mean ratio which which is what we are that's our proportions so I said well that makes sense let, let, let me do that so um, yeah I built that harp and um, it just the sound through the titanium and that resonator, and I had a, had a, a titanium soundboard on it. it. To me, it was magical. It was beautiful and was lightweight. I found that I could anodize them and just create this beauty through them. And super, super, super expensive to get the metal and to work with it and, and weld it. I had the tool up to weld it, but um, I've stuck with it. And uh, it's been my signature metal that I that I've worked with, and I so I, I built. Let me see, I did that for whew, 90s through uh, two th early 2000s. Built a lot of, and I st you know, I've still built wind harps every once in a while. Um, 
But that was, it was through building those wind tarps that really um, sold me on the acoustical properties of titanium. And um, three years ago, uh, when I came to the conference, um, I already, had, you know, I had already built some bells out of titanium, and um, and they sounded really good. The sustain in them was was incredible, and I, you know, I I spoke with uh, Mitchner and told him uh, that, and I showed him the bells, and said, "Man, I'm going to start making some titanium gongs," and. Um, just started. I mean, I thought I would jump right in, figure it out. It, it, this whole thing has gone, gone through its own growing pains. Let me tell you, there's, you know, you, it, it's the whole bells and gongs are two totally different creatures. The acoustic, acoustic, some are totally different. So, uh, but I, but I knew enough about working with titanium to know all the different steps I had to go through to develop a gong that I really, that I'm very happy with now. And I know how to re get, get good sound out of them. And I'm still learning. It's just like, oh, every gong is different, you know, and every, I'm learning from every gong that I build how to make them better. Yeah, maybe uh, a couple things there. Maybe mention what anodizing means, and and uh, because I know a lot of people see the results of that, but maybe explain that. Um, okay. uh, yeah, so start with that. Yeah, so putting artwork on gongs is uh, on titanium gongs is really exciting because titanium is one, titanium is one of the few metals you can anodize other metals, but uh, titanium is anodized using electricity specifically DC voltage and the what the what the process is is um, you can dip the hole looks like uh, you know, you've seen titanium jewelry how absolutely vibrant it is it's because it actually is reflecting light and when you anodize titanium you take DC voltage and you use use a, a conductive solution that I actually um, use I uh, you, this stuff's all over um, YouTube, but I, 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 I started doing this long before they were um, explaining how to do it on YouTube, and I've got a few tricks with it, but I'm able to, let me see if you can, if you can see, <clears throat> see this, let me see, okay, yeah, go, let's look at this one, so can you hear me? Yeah, just fine. Yep. Okay. So, so um, these different colors are actually different voltages that we use, uh, different DC voltages that we use. And when you what they when you use DC voltage to create um, uh, these colors, when you dip the gong in a bath, um, the 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 um, what happens is you grow a transparent layer of titanium oxide on the gong, which is transparent. And the thickness of that layer is a function of the voltage that's used. So like a nine volts will create the, the gold, and then a 16 volt will create the purple. And, and so when, when you finish it and dry it off and everything, the, the, when the light hits, 
that thin transparent layer of, of titanium oxide, it's the thickness of that layer that determines the frequency of light that's refracted as light hits the gong. So what you're seeing is, is re really refracted light. It's not a paint, it's not a pigment. And so I think that's why it's so, it's so brilliant and can, um, it looks so uh, you know, amazing um, relative to you know, paint. Um, or, or um, I guess there's patinas you can put on metals, different kinds of metals, but it's, I'm just thrilled with the, with the possibilities of, of using this, you know, form to create artwork on the gongs. Right. And, and you had mentioned that your artwork or how you're presenting the gongs in particular are a bit different. You're getting away from the sacred geometry. Can you explain yeah. why you yeah, did that? Yeah, as, as much as I love sacred geometry and I've worked with it, with it over the years, I've come to realize um, that sound is not static. You know, sacred geometry is actually a snapshot in time of the geometry of the waveform. And it's beautiful, but to me, the gong, the, one of the beauty of the gong is it is it, it when we interact with it, it gives us this experience of the fluidity of sound and motion. And, and, and I think one of the most powerful parts about attributes of listening and playing the gong is it, it, it moves that emotional matter within us. So I, I'm about, I'm about motion. I'm about fluidity. So this, this um, particular um, collection or series of gongs, I'm calling out the cosmic wave. So what's, you know, I'll use different colors and, and different combinations of colors, but what, what I really want to communicate is, is the wave, movement of the wave. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do, you know, I'll put sacred geometrical art on gongs if that's desired, but my my creative juices right now are flowing in the in the form of of the cosmic wave and uh, yeah that's where that's where I'm at with sound yeah yeah nice well what are some of the um, I guess you could say benefits that um, you and others have found in playing these instruments you know if you want to kind of go into um, the sound healing therapeutic aspects that you experience for yourself and heard from some of maybe your your clients okay um yeah i you know my my interest in, in the gongs and has been i think a little bit different than other people in terms of its benefits um i'm not so focused on um how does it, how does it, you know, how does it affect my, my physical uh, body? Um, I'm more effect, I'm more interested personally, and what draws me to the gong is its effect on my consciousness. And um, I'm saying that because um, the what I've experienced with the gong is that mostly playing it and is that, I mean, you, 
sound is fundamental in our universe. I mean, the, 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 every every spiritual tradition has got some sort of some sort of way of saying in the beginning was the word. You know, whether it's Buddhism or Hinduism or, or the Sikhs or Christianity. Um, and to me, what's that, what that saying was in the beginning was vibration. In the beginning was the vibration of love. That is the, the primal cause substance is the vibration of love. And in, in, in my spiritual tradition, they call it the Shabda Dun or the sound current, the universal sound current. And so I'm, I overlay that perspective of sound over most of most everything that I do around creating sound sculpture. And, and to me, the value of playing the gong, and I think interacting with the gong for me, the most powerful way to do for to, to interact with it is actually play it for yourself first. And in playing the gong, what I'm experiencing and what I encourage people to do is to just, the, is, it's not so focused on technique as it is just listening, really being present. And, you know, and, and, and I don't do this all the time. <laughs> I don't, it's just, you know, strike it and then listen. Let it, let the gong expand and then let it decay. Let it go through its cycle. Really, really listen and then explore the gong but it's in listening in the sound of the gong to me is so beautiful and so full of all these uh, you know rich harmonics that it it's very easy to keep my attention focused on the sound of the gong and in 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 that happening in 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 listening to it and focusing my attention on the gong that actually Gives my, it gives my mind something to do because it's focusing on the sound and that stills my mind so that I can just be in this moment right now listening to the gong. There's nothing else coming in. The subjective dialogue gets outcreated because I got my attention focused on the beauty of that sound in this moment. And this three, in the, to me, a moment is three seconds. Quantum number of three is a moment, three seconds. If I can just keep my attention focused on that gong and just listen to that, to that, and just, you know, just be with the gong, nothing else going on. That to me is a, is a huge spiritual practice just to do that. And <clears throat> where we are in the world right now with all the distractions that are going on through social media that fragment and dilute my ability to focus my attention and um, be present even just for myself, let alone anybody else. If I can't, if, if my attention, if my units of attention are so fragmented and distracted by all this, by all this stuff and I'm, I, 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 I get sucked in I, I, to Instagram all the time. But um, the, I think that the battlefield right now in consciousness is for our attention. I think that's what's, what's really going on on a, on a global level. If I can distract your attention and get you to put your attention over here, then I can influence your belief system. 
And then if I can influence your belief system, then I, I can control your thoughts and your actions. So I think I, I, I feel like the gong is a powerful tool to be used as part of our spiritual exercises, just to collect our attention, you know, and to draw, bring back my units of awareness back into a single focus so I can make choices on my own, on my, on my own behalf. But if I'm, my, my attention is fragmented, I can't make a decision. I cannot freaking make a decision and, and move forward because, because I don't have enough power to collect my will. And that takes to, 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 to make a decision and to make a change. That's because my attention has been fragmented. And I've, to me, sound is, is, the, is, is, is the ultimate tool to recollect those energies. And uh, to me, it, that's what sound's been used through, down through millennium, through all the spiritual traditions as a setup for meditation, to focus, recollect the energies, laser focus. Um, you know, it totally transcends the whole monkey mind syndrome because it gives the mind something to do and sound can do that. So it's just so beautiful. And I just, that's, that's what I had to give to the gong community is that story right there. That's the truth for me. Um, I really don't go into, um, you know, the, I, I, I talk, I talk about sound in terms of how we can use it to, to shift consciousness, to shift our own consciousness, you know, and to get present with ourselves, be here now. That's right. It's right. so simple. Beautifully expressed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's so much to the ability just to have presence and, and an active participation with the gong and its energy and it, what, you know, what is it teaching you and, and how you're interacting with it. I, I think you're absolutely right as using gong as a way to, to tune in to your own consciousness yourself. How does it shift you? Um, but you're right that you have to be in the moment. You have to be with it while you're doing it. And that's something that we're usually pretty scattered <laughs> most of the time. So allowing for those moments just to, to be with the gong. Yeah, it reminds me very much of um, some of the messages from the gong community and, and that conference that we were both at. That, that mm -hmm. really is the message of the gong is that, that source of expansion. Yeah. Beautifully expressed. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. It's it and it's so it it and the other the other thing I like to talk about is harmonic consciousness. The more I listen to these to this gong that has this designed to create all these harmonics that are related to each other with these perfect mathematical proportions that are embedded in all of nature, right? And um, as I as I play the gong and I'm listening to the gong, I'm in training my awareness to be sensitive to these to these harmonies, so that um, I'm, it, it's expanding my awareness of harmony. So I'm I'm in training myself so that I can if I can hear it here and go oh I love that harmony that's really different what's that 
and explore. I mean, the gong, I mean, it's infinite. <laughs> I mean, when we play, the, we never play the gong the same way twice. It's always different, you know, and different parts of the gong and exploring the gong. And that's what another thing I love about Titanium Man. There's, it's, it's very dynamic. There's a lot of different tones that it can generate. It's just not one tone. And even when I'm using the, I'm just, I'm discovering the flumey, these bare love flumies on, they're the only ones that work on the titanium gongs. They are amazing. Um, and I just barely have to touch it. Once it, once you wake the gong up, I, it's like I move that thing maybe two inches and it just takes off on a whole new direction. It's like, wow. So that's it's like, it's got my attention, 100%. I'm in awe at what's going on with the gong in that moment. And it's just, it's, it, it's really, it's a wonderful spiritual practice because you you get to do something, but your attention is like just riveted on this sound. And the more that I'm aware of these harmonics and the, and the, these harmony in, in, in music, I think that empowers us to be more aware of recognizing harmony in all sorts of relations in the outer world. If I can't recognize it, I can't, I can't connect with it. That's right. Well, yeah, but you know, because there's harmony in the ecosystem and harmony in our health and yeah, you're right. Uh, the ability to, to recognize that or discern when it isn't harmonious, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. to be able to differentiate, have the discernment to go, you know what, that doesn't look, that doesn't feel right. I'm not going there. I'm not going to get, I'm not getting engaged in that reality because it, there's no harmony here. Or, you know, being able to discern the difference between uh, chaos and harmony. <laughs> Sounds simple. Sounds, you know, uh, trite. But I think we learn that through music. You know? Through listening to me. I mean, you're musicians. You play the violin. You know? What does it teach you about harmony? Yeah, about harmony, about life, about the, but, the nature of everything. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right on. And it's not even something we can maybe even articulate, but it's like, it's just... A, that's like, maybe that's a good thing sometimes, because I, I think the gong, gong does that as well. Sometimes it's okay not to have words. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know? It's all beyond words. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good thing yeah there's yeah we have enough words and distractions it's nice yeah. you have to to worry about but you did put that into words very well i want to say <laughs> yeah yeah well so let's keep it in the present what are you working on right now what are you curious about what's kind of sparking uh with with your instruments right now well it's um i i'm you know i'm continuing to i'm really committed to refining the titanium gong as much as I can. Um, and just um, the, the part, you know, there's, there's quite a few aspects about making, making gongs. And, and one, of, one of them is, is the heat treating of the gongs. Every gong builder knows that you have to heat treat the metal at some point in the process of making a gong. And some of them, you know, uh, Martin Blazer, he has videos um, where you, he puts them over the fire. 
and heats them using fire, which is just beautiful. I love, I love the way he does that. Um, and you can heat them with torches. And, and um, I, I uh, decided to use technology to heat treat gongs. And there's way, there's a lot of different ways. I mean, the heat treating um, industry is very, 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 very technical and very complex, you know. Um, but the reason you heat treat a gong is because uh, even when you get sheet metal um, and you get it from the mill, you get it in sheets. When they roll that stuff out, they force that mill and squish it out into these tiny little sheets. And when they do that, there's stresses embedded in the metal. And anytime there's stresses embedded in the metal, the, the molecules, you know, they're all crooked and twisted like that. And they, when there's stresses in the metal, that impedes the, the, the you know, the, the flow of, of vibration through the metal and when you um so when you hammer a gong into place there's, there's stresses embedded and usually after they do that um they heat treat it to relax the metal and allow all the molecules to come back and you know and just to flow back and, and fit in together in a nice coherent manner which allows the sound to travel through it so that's what i'm exploring is is the magical world of how to you know alchemically heat treat these gongs and to make them really good. So that that's a big that's a that's there's a lot to explore there. So I'm I'm continuing to um, and it totally changes the sound of the gong once it's heat treated. Totally changes it. Um, so that's kind of the the the, the, the where I'm, what I'm exploring and and also you know just expanding refining the artwork that goes on the gong. Um, there was at one point I thought, well, I'm going to try and make, you know, gongs resonate at a certain note. And I abandoned that pretty quick. <laughs> You're going to screw up a lot of gongs if you try and do that. Right. Uh, because, you know, once you hammer, start hammering on gongs, you can't go back. You know, you beat on them, you know, hammer around the edge. You put, you put, um, uh, <clears throat> Some gongs I will I will hammer points on the gong in a sacred geometrical pattern. I usually use a uh, you know hexagram or a pentagram. Um, most gong makers are pretty familiar with sacred using sacred geometry. And when you hammer, when you put a stress point on the soundboard of a gong, it's like it's like a rock in the middle of the stream. As the vibration, as the water goes down and hits that rock, the, the, the water goes around the rock and creates an eddy behind it. It's so the same with vibration. And by, when you strike the gong and the vibration, you know, um, uh, moves out through the face of the gong and it hits one of these stress points, it creates, it's basically an interference, creates an interference pattern around that stress point and create, brings more complexity into the sound of the gong. But just the more time, the more you hammer it, the more complex the sound becomes. And it has its beauty to it. And I've, I'm, I'm exploring that, but there's also something, there's also something to be said, but just let it be what it is. Let that gong have its just a pure single tone. And that what I'm after in creating gongs, the ultimate gong from my perspective is when you strike it, you hear a discernible, deep, fundamental tone. 
with the natural harmonics of that tone. And you can hear it. You use your you use the um, frequency counter on your phone, and it's like it's it's held right there within a tenth of a hertz. It doesn't waver, and that's what these gongs generate. These that's how clean and clear that fundamental tone is. And then as you as you put more energy into the gong or move out to the perimeter of the gong, you start liberating some of the harmonics. And so that's what I want to create. And that's what I am creating with these gongs is a, a deep fundamental that sustains. And then if, if you want to move it higher, you got to put more energy into it, but you got to play closer to the edge to bring it up. Um, that's what I that, that's that's what I find to be beautiful about uh, about titanium is that it will do that and uh, and it has a, a, a lovely sustain to it as well. So sounds like it must take a lot of a uh, trial and error though, <laughs> at least initially. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I've, I've uh, you know, I, like I say, once you go there, you can't go back. Can't take that. Once you once you once you put put a, a stress point in a gong, you can't take it out. So you can go too far. And the question is, how far do I go? When is it done? When does this, this gong sound as good as it's going to sound? Is like that's like that's why you know when I when I work on these gongs, I can't have. I've got to be absolutely alone. I can't have anybody in my space. I don't listen to me. There's no music on, nothing. It's just me and the gong. I've got to totally tune into that metal. And, and I, you know, I've been asking myself, can I, is that even possible? Can I tune into the vibration of this element, titanium? You know, how do you do that? You know, how do you tune into an element, an element and, and go, what do you want to sound like? I got my own ideas, but maybe what is this gong? What does this gong want to sound like? Every gong, and my line is every gong has its own state of consciousness. It every gong has its own unique vibration. It's like that's that's the great gift that Pythagoras left us is the law of vibration. Is every every vibration and every everything in the universe has its own unique vibration everything every blade of grass every there's thousands of pine trees in where i live in colorado every 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 pine needle is different has its own uh, you know signature frequency that's a mind blow well yeah and it naturally knows what it's meant to be or wants to be and, and so do your gongs so i i think you're right about allowing yourself to tune into that do, do, you know it's it's okay to question do i have the ability to tune into this titanium and yeah i mean <laughs> i think you do <laughs> well I I, it's the intent i you know what whether my mind cognizes that or not to put that intention out and get okay this gong is going to sound amazing how do i how do i use my skills to 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 act to to bring it out to accent it and know know when to stop, and um, um, I don't have to you know I don't uh, my mind doesn't have to track it because it can't, so uh, I just do it I just I get in the space and just be in the moment with it and and just keep on 
holding that intention and, and you know miracles happen magic happens i think in that space and uh you know sometimes i think the mind just checks out or just it can't i don't think it can track that level of flow sometimes who knows <laughs> yeah. wow. well i can tell by the way you so eloquently and almost spiritually talk about these instruments and explorations and discoveries that you really through the the wind harp initially but in the folk harp you found your you found your your heart you found your your passion through this it's really beautiful to hear you talk about it thank you thank yeah. you I've, I've, i feel blessed to to be driven uh, you know i i i asked myself you know uh, when you're building harps, it's, it's super labor intensive. It's, I was married to the shop for years. I mean, I was working seven days a week, always working. And, and I always wanted to, it was like, I was passionate about it. And I, I looked at that and I said, man, are you ever gonna, where is that, where is this coming from? This um, inspiration to continue to build instrument after, harp after harp after harp after harp. And I went, I just, it blew my, it blew my mind. And I think, I think where it was coming from is, and, and I get the same thing with the gong. I get excited when I, I start a new gong because I, I have this, this feeling inside. It's like, I, I, I want to create something that's so magical. When I hear it, I'm just, it transports me to another space and time. And, you know, I've always felt that that sound is, uh, you know, has such a spiritual quality. It's the, it's the uh, harmonic sound is the, is the, um, is the medium of spiritual transcendence. And, and so as an instrument builder, I'm, I'm always sort of hunting for, you know, the lost chord sort of thing. <laughs> You know, that sound is like, oh, that's it. That's the sound right there. Just don't, you know, don't go away. I just want to listen to that one sound. It can be one chord. Really simple. Simpler the better. But just just the harmony that's embedded in there. It's like, it's like, oh, that's the one right there. You know what I'm talking about? Because you play the violin. I get it. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Because I mean, here it is. Here's an instrument that's connected to your to to your jaw and your and your and your and your arm i mean you're getting it right through your cranium first i mean i mean that's got that's the ultimate music therapy is playing the violin as far as i'm concerned yeah really developmental for me having started it at age four you know really <laughs> really i grew up with grew up with that kind of understanding i will i will say the one instrument um that brought me a different understanding of that feeling um, is the gong. Really? really you know, the gong. And it's such a different approach. Um, and, and obviously this is so, uh, the violin can be very technical, uh, but you know, luckily I, I learned to play it more in a meditative expressive state. Uh, but the gong expanded something. It, there was a vastness that happened uh, uh, with the gong uh, and very much what you're what you're talking about. Um, so now I approach the violin differently. Uh, wow. 
uh, as, as I do the gong. So yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Mm. Well, I think, I think the gong can teach us how to listen in a different yeah. way. It's so, nobody can predict what it's gonna do. You don't know what it's gonna do and it's always different. It's always new, it's always an, it's always an exploration. Maybe that's it. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, certain instruments are kind of predictable uh and but the gong is not predictable that's that's what i like about it yeah (laughs) Yeah. you just never know and you might play it the same way but it will always respond uh differently and as like mitch norris says that the gong is a mirror you know uh, for your own energy but if you don't like what it sounds like maybe you should adjust your playing (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) your energy yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah. yeah wow right on well awesome ross this has really been a pleasure and uh, honestly an inspiration just to hear in your own words and expression um how this has all come about for you and and really become part of who you are and these instruments represent uh, that expression so thank you so much for b- being open and sharing so much about your your path you're very welcome thanks for checking in yeah yeah you bet appreciate it thank you for tuning into this episode of sounds heal podcast sponsored by the ohm shop and spa and keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com check things out on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio, and you can listen to all previous podcasts as well as music meditations on the YouTube channel at Sounds Heal Studio. Be well and stay tuned.